We're going to be in uh, excuse me, Colossians. I think I did the same thing last week. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter number 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness, for the opportunity to be in your house. We ask you, God, to open the word to us as we open the word and read. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you would have your will and way in our lives. And Lord, that is going to be the subject of our study this morning, your will. And Lord, uh, I don't know how far we'll get this morning, but I pray that whatever we talk about this morning would be to your glory and to your honor. And I thank you, God, for all that you do. Forgive us our sins. Lord, uh, direct our hearts and uh, captivate our minds for a few minutes. Help us to focus on these things. We'll thank you and praise you, O God, for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. All right. Colossians chapter number one. And we'll start again and read in verse number one. We tried to start last week and Sunday school turned into a preaching event. And so we're going to start over here this morning and try to begin our study of the book of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. All right, we'll stop reading there. And again, we'll go back to verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul says here, and he says in other places that he's a servant. And in this place, he points out that he is an apostle. And he kind of goes back uh, back and forth in between those things. Of course, you understand Paul wrote the book of Romans through Philemon. Also, he, as most people believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews, which I certainly do believe that. 
Uh, but Paul wrote quite a bit of the New Testament and as he introduces himself in each book he'll either say Paul a servant of Jesus Christ or he'll say Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ but most of the time he will add that little statement by the will of God and that is a giant statement by the will of God. And so uh, when we live our lives, we usually uh, try to pawn off everything that we do on God. Most of the time we try to do that. We say, it's God's will for me to do this, or it's God's will for me to do that. And what we certainly want to do is make sure that what we are doing with our lives, uh, we, uh, I think it would be uh, a far stretch to have every minute of every day of your life consumed by the will of God and uh, I think uh, I might have heard over the last 50 years two or three people say that all that they do is the will of God but that's hard for me to imagine somebody spending every minute of every day consumed by the will of God and so that's a very really it's a very dangerous statement because I think at some point you can take the will of God and turn it into your will and of course uh, you might say well that's a good thing well that's not exactly the way I mean it and I want to explain that a little better just so you understand is that you are always the servant and I believe with that attitude Paul switches between Paul an apostle and Paul a servant Paul a servant of Jesus Christ or Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And always you have to keep in mind that you are the servant. He is the one that provides the will. Many times Christians are, especially if you're raised up in church, you'll be raised in church to believe that Christ is Lord and that he is the Savior and he died on the cross for you and he is your God and he cares for you. And, and that kind of becomes a, a soundtrack instead of a, a real thought, real feeling. Uh, real, uh, real belief in your own heart. It's just something you were taught to say. It's something that's ingrained in you. It's something you do by habit. It's just like being being a Christian. Is just like being a Jones. You were born into it. And of course you understand I don't believe that you can be born into salvation. You can't do that. But you were born, you were raised in church. And being a Christian is almost like being a Jones or a Smith. It's just something that's become habit. It's who you are. It's what you've always done. And what tends to happen when God's will becomes your will, it's something you learned in church but you think you came up with it. And of course when you... Uh, when you have a mindset like that, it's hard to have grace. It's hard to have uh, uh, any sympathy whatsoever. Sympathy is a word that uh, doesn't get uh, talked about much in the Christian religion or preached about. Uh, but you, uh, the Bible says that God, uh, in the form of Jesus Christ, is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And so he's sympathetic. He understands what it is that we go through. He understands our temptation. He understands our griefs. The Bible says that he bore our griefs. And so the, he, is, uh, he is sympathetic to our condition. Well, many times a, a Christian will find the quote-unquote will of God and they'll discipline themselves, whether it's through long life or uh, much study, one of those situations, it doesn't matter which. Uh, but he'll begin to take on those principles of Christianity. He'll begin to take on the discipline of Christianity as if it's his own will. And therefore he has a hard time dealing with other folks who doesn't 
uh, bow down or you know restrict themselves or discipline themselves to the will of God which is basically and truly only his own will uh, this is God's religion amen uh, Christ is the head of the church I'm not the head of the church the Pope is not the head of the church Christ is the head of the church it's his will uh, we are the servants and this is a this is I believe one of the things that Christ was trying to hit on when he said when you've done all that you're commanded to do say we are unprofitable servants and we have a hard time doing that because most of the time we are doing our own will and perhaps Christianity is, uh, uh, well, I say perhaps, but I, I believe I know that it's a fact that a lot of people's fleshly desire or habit or whatever the case might be is uh, it's not going to a bar and getting drunk, it's going to church. It's religion. And religion can be a, as big a vice as any other lifestyle. Unless we are Christ's servants and unless we are uh, dedicated to doing his will and that we remember on a constant basis, on a daily basis, that it is his will and we are the servants and that we keep a servant's heart and a servant's mindset, his servant. First of all, many times when you hear a Christian sermon about being servants, it's always about being servants of your fellow man or servants to this world or whatever the case might be. But we are Christ's servants. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. We're part of his body. We uh, have a, a greater relationship to God than perhaps an Old Testament servant or even a, a you know, a servant of this world as we normally know him, somebody who does service to his fellow man or whatever the case may be, a man working for an employer. Uh, the Christian life certainly is more than that, but we certainly ought not to forget that we are his servant. We're bought with the price. And in the fleshly condition that we're in now, we can't take full advantage of the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that I'm talking about the, uh, the family. The Bible calls it the family of God. Uh, you say, well, I'm God's son. And that is absolutely true. You are God's son. If you're saved, you're God's son. And you, you have been instituted into the family of God. Uh, but don't bust into his, uh, you know, uh, place of dwelling and demand of him like you do to your mother and father because you're a spoiled brat. <laughs> Hey, give me some food. You don't have that kind of relationship with God, especially in this fleshly condition. The Bible, when the Bible talks about your sins have separated between you and your God, that's not just talking about an old reprobate someplace. And we have access. Uh, we we have all the we we're being we've been accepted. All these things, but there is a a fleshly aspect to your life that separates between you and your God. You don't fully understand Him. Do you anybody here fully understand God? Does anybody in here fully understand God's will? Well, there's an aspect of fear there that a son doesn't actually have with his father uh, in the sense of uh, 
underestimating or uh, misestimating if that's if that's a word if it's not I just made it up but a lot of times uh, I believe Christians miss miss uh, to use a George Bush word misunderestimate <laughs> I don't even know if anybody remembers George Bush but at any rate a lot of people do have a have a hard time uh, dealing with God and relating to their especially their relationship with God because their relationship with God is a, a certain set of of rules that they believe is God's will. I must come to church. And when we study God's will, we can talk about it's God's will for you to go to church. It's God's will for you to pray. It's God's will for you to witness. We can talk about all those things, but I don't think that we have to cover those things. I think we can cover some different things when we talk about the will of God and that you probably already understand that it is God's will for you to pray and read your Bible and, and love one another and, and show kindness. I, I think you understand uh, those things. But what I don't think we understand is that the will of God, the sum total of the will of God is not just to come to church and read your Bible and, and find five minutes to pray and, and go through that same routine that you're already bored of doing. Most Christians uh, fall out uh, uh, they become backslid. They get tired of going through the same motions because that's all it is. I go to church Sunday. Uh, we, go, we go home and take a nap. We come back to church on Sunday evening. Uh, we pray 10 minutes on Monday and read a chapter. And we pray 10 minutes on Tuesday and read a chapter. And then we're dragging through Wednesday and we drag the church and we sleep through the whole thing. And Wednesday service is the most boring service and not many people show up. And then we pray a little bit on Thursday and we take a break Friday and Saturday. And then we come to church on Sunday and just repeat. And go through the whole thing again, then repeat. And we think of that as the will of God, and the will of God is not that way at all. The will of God is, is something that, that is, though I say nobody's life is all consumed with God's will, but it is all-consuming. It is applicable all day, and it is at the same time the will of God. Look at Ephesians chapter uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And we see another verse. I, I say to you that Ephesians and Colossians are sister books. And that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, that's Philippians. I start to say, oh my soul, I'll give you the wrong reference. But that's the book of Philippians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now... That's a great verse, and look what he says. We talked about being a servant. We talked about being an apostle as far as Paul's concerned. Now here in chapter 4, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. So while you are a son, you have a relationship as a son. And while you may be, in Paul's case, an apostle and have the relationship of an apostle, here he also has the relationship of a prisoner. Any of you men have sons? Daughters, whatever the case may be, I think you'll be able to understand it just as well that way. Well, that relationship you have with your son as a son, that's a wonderful relationship. Do any of you have a relationship with your son that involves being a prisoner? Some of you may have a, a, a craft, 
That's not the word, a trade. That's the word I'm looking for. Some of you men may be tradesmen. And you may be, you may have a relationship with your son as a father. And you may have a relationship with your son as a, as a craftsman. You may be turning him into the same thing that you are. If you're, a, if you're a carpenter, you might be turning him into a carpenter. If you're a mechanic, you might be turning him into a mechanic. So you have two relationships right there. One's vocational. And one's just simply from the standpoint of a relationship of a father and a son. But father and prisoner... Well, that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? Well, you see Christianity is different. A lot, of, a lot of times people say, well, God is my father, and they only look at God in the sense of he is a father. And you look at him in the same sense that you look at your father. And you think that because God is your father, he's going to do for you everything that your earthly father has done. And while he may, he may be more merciful than your earthly father. He may be more judgmental at the same time. He may be more meticulous uh, than your earthly father. He may be wiser. <laughs> I know some of you think that's not possible. That God could be wiser than some earthly man. The Bible says you suffer fools gladly. You, uh, that, that verse, I wish you would study that verse a little bit. And study that concept a little bit. The fact that we suffer fools gladly. Because we see that we we see that we ourselves are wise, and we put up with politicians, and we put up with movie actors, and we put up with preachers, and we suffer them to be very foolish, not in a good sense, in a in a bad sense, because we see our own condition, and as long as they're acting a fool, that leaves us in a bigger position, closer to the will of God in our own estimation. That's not that's not true. Uh, if the blind follow the blind, they both wind up in the ditch. You don't wind up better off because after all, I was following the blind man. He fell in the ditch. No, you fall in the ditch with him. And that's just the, the fact of the matter. And so we uh, oftentimes when we consider the will of God, there's a lot of things we have to consider that usually we just don't because we've got this uh, foolish and often charismatic idea that God is only... A progenitor and he's going to put up with whatever we do and whatever we say and allow whatever. That's not true. That's not the God that you're living with. And that has nothing to do with the will of God. God's will is his plan for your life. It's his vocation. And it's not just his plan for your life. No man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. God's will for me has to do with you. And God's will for you has to do with me. And when, we, when the Bible says that no man lives to himself or dies to himself, uh, we don't seem to understand the implications of that either. The way you live, the way you present yourself, the way you act, the way you talk, these things all have a profound impact on other people. It, it, it gives them opportunity to allow more than they should. Uh, in some cases, it may not give them an opportunity to, to allow as much as they could. You know, when we get over in the book of Colossians, it'll say that some people have, a, you know, an exceptional will worship. and They don't touch certain things and they don't eat certain things and they don't handle certain things. And those things become human restrictions that everybody has to pay attention to. Now, we'll get into all that a little bit later. But that touch not, taste not, handle not out of the book of Colossians, he says that has a show of will worship. But you can't turn will worship into commandments. 
not be saved by grace and justified by grace and live by faith and those things. It's just not possible to do that. So what you allow or what you disallow, uh, what men, let's put it this way, what men have allowed and what men have disallowed over the ages has become Christian doctrine and Christian principle when that's the same trouble that the Pharisees had. Their doctrines and commandments of men had replaced true religion as far as Old Testament uh, things are concerned. And the commandments of men had become more important than, than right sacrifice. And, and what you're talking about is things becoming more important than God's will. When you look at the sum total of the Old Testament, there, was, there were things that was more important than washing plates or washing hands or fasting often. But that's the thing that they were worried about. They said, hey, Jesus, your, your followers ain't washing their hands. Your followers are plucking corn on the Sabbath day. And those things were more important than the, the, the loftier things or the weightier things. And it's because their own will, God's will, had become their own will. And when something becomes your own will, you can pick and choose which one of those things you want to highlight. You can put one thing above another because it's your... God has totally captivated my will. No, you've totally captivated God's will. And that's... that. You're not going to... You're not going to get that to fly. You're not going to get that to pass muster when, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, and the, uh, the extent of your gain or loss, I don't know. I'm not this class is not designed to tell you how bad it's going to be for you at the judgment or how good it's going to be for you at the judgment. I'm just telling you that God's will and your will are not the same thing. In this life... While we live and breathe as mortals on this earth, He is the Master, He is the King, He is the Savior, He is the Lord, He is God, and you are His servant. You are sons, and we can explore that, that aspect of that doctrine, and it'd be a wonderful thing to study. But we also need to emphasize the fact that He is God, and you are the servant. Whatever your vocation may be, in some chapters of your life, you can write so-and-so, the apostle of Jesus Christ, if, you want, if that's the way you want to write. But you have to also, some chapters of your life, you're going to have to accent the fact or emphasize the fact that you're his servant. And I think that more times than not, we emphasize the fact that we are his uh, workmen. We are his you know, office holders. We are sons of God. If, if we can't say we're a pastor, if we can't say that we're a missionary, if we can't say that we're a teacher, uh, we're his sons. And, and that's a good enough title. And that leads me to say this, and I'll move on here. He says, uh, he, well, he says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. So we have great opportunity uh, at some point in time to, as Paul said, magnify his office. We have great opportunity at some point in time to magnify what vocation God has given us. And he says here in verse uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. See, in, one, in Ephesians he said, walk worthy of the vocation. 
in uh, Colossians chapter 1, he says, walk worthy of the Lord. And most Baptist preachers do not believe that that's even possible. Because in the one estimation, I'm the uh, servant of the Lord. And in the other estimation, I'm completely unworthy. Before you were saved, you were completely unworthy. But now you who were far off are made nigh, not just by a proclamation. God didn't just proclaim you to be made nigh. God didn't just proclaim you to be quickened in Christ Jesus. He bought you with his blood. He, he, there has been a propitiation made and righteousness has been imputed unto you and the Holy Spirit has been sealed within you so that now you are a new creature created in Christ Jesus and the book of Ephesians adds to, the, adds to that you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works unto good works so we, we can't uh, hide behind the fact that, well I'm all bad I'm all bad I'm so terrible which in your flesh you are but you're more than that the Christian is more than that uh, as a Christian, you can still see the traces of that old man that you once were. The, the, you know, the singers get up and they sing, you know, the old man is dead. Yes, well, he woke up this morning. And you need to crucify him afresh. You need to mortify the deeds of this flesh every day. The old man is still there. You still understand that. But you're so much more than that now. So much more than that now. So you walk worthy of the vocation because you have relationship with God that deals with the vocation. Paul says he was the apostle of he was an apostle in Romans chapter one. Uh, he says he was a servant in Romans one. He says he's an apostle here, and that apostle is that apostleship is his vocation. The word apostle means one that is sent. Now Paul was sent to the Gentiles collectively so that makes him a greater form of an apostle. The apostles of Jesus Christ or as they're otherwise known as the apostles of the Lamb that is a, that is a, a, a larger calling than just the word apostle. The Bible calls uh, Barnabas in the book of Acts an apostle. That just means that he was sent. He was sent with Paul. Uh, he was sent with Paul. But Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Those are two different things. But the word apostle, no matter where it's used, is just sent. That's what it means, to be sent. And in that sense, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, you're all the called of Jesus Christ. So you all have a, you all have a calling. What is it? It's the same calling as everyone else. Brother Mike, I wonder what I'm called to do. You're called to do the exact same thing that I am. To be a Christian, to be a son, to be a servant to follow the Lord, to all the things we talked about a while ago, go to church, read your Bible, all of these things. You're called to do that. You're called to preach. And in, the, in that, we talk about, you know, preachers, you usually think about pastor, whatever the case may be. And when you think about pastors, you think no woman can be a pastor, but a woman can preach. Because the word preach just means to proclaim. It doesn't mean, the word preach doesn't mean write out a three-point sermon and all the points start with the same letter and get up in a suit and tie. And that's not what the word preach means. The word preach means to proclaim. And in our case, we're to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of a Savior, the long-suffering of a Savior, the propitiation of a Savior, the redemption of the Savior. We're to proclaim those things. And that, is the, that, that calling is the same 
for males, females. And I believe that's the greatest sense of the passage of Scripture that tells us in Christ Jesus there's neither Jew nor Greek. He says, male or female. Well, look around. What are you? Well, I seem to tend to be nothing. No, I'm a man. I might not be much of a man. I might not be a big man. I might not be a rich man. But I am a man. I'm a male. Uh, but in the sense of Christ, uh, in the sense of being in Christ and in His calling and in His will, it's not, it has nothing to do with what nationality you are or what gender you are. It makes no difference at all. In Christ Jesus, in His calling, in His will, in His purpose for our life. Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, the biggest, uh, the biggest word in those chapters is purpose. And there is a purpose for all of us. And I would say here back in Colossians 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, what greater thing is there? than to be in the will of God than to be following the will of God than to be searching for the will of God some of you haven't been saved that long and you're searching for the will of God and I hope that when you're searching for the will of God you're not trying to find out should you be a pastor or should you be a pastor's wife or should you be a missionary because that is not even close to being the greatest of your worries at this point when you get saved all you should be worried about is what is God's will for me not where is God's will for me because that tends to preoccupy a lot of people especially after they get it in their mind that God has called me I don't know what you're going to say after that you could, it could be a lot of things to be a missionary, to be a pastor to be this, to be that but I don't know. When, when people tend to get that idea, God has called me to do X, Y, Z. They tend to be talking about pastor, missionary. And they're not worried about what God has called them to do. They're worried about where has God called me to do it. And personally, I don't care much about that myself. I mean, I don't care if God is going to have you be a pastor in Alaska or be a pastor in Florida or be a pastor in Kenya or be a, ca a pastor in Australia. I don't care much about that at all. What are you doing right here? Right where you are. Right where you're born. I was born in, uh, I was actually born in a hospital in, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but technically I was born in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I was raised in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I went to church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I witnessed to people in Mount Airy, North Carolina and preached on the street in Mount Airy, North Carolina and knocked on the doors of Mount Airy, North Carolina. And whatever I might be doing now, when I got saved and when I started following the Lord, I did what I was supposed to do where I was. Where I was. And there are times in your life that you'll get distracted from those things and you'll get distracted about those things. But the worry of your life right now should only be what you can do for Christ right where you are. Right now, right? And people, get, people live uh, really... Uh, in service of the God of the flesh. And I believe, and I, I may not have said it here before, but uh, I like to say that the imagination is the God of the flesh. The imagination is the God of the flesh. And Christians will be happy to live right up there. One of these days I'm going to pastor a church and 
Tennessee and it's going to be you know going to have about 500 people and it's going to have a great bus ministry and it's going to and you're thinking about something way off down the road and you're not even getting it done right now and that, that really that's not I'm not trying to say that as a it might have come off a little harsh but I'm not trying to say that as a, as a rebuke this morning I'm trying to remind you that God's will for you 10 years from now in Tennessee is God's will for you right now right here right today Every single person in this room that's born again today has access into the will of God today. And it's a wonderful thing to be in God's will. It's not a scary thing. Listen, if you're walking according to God's will, I mean, He has the perfect plan for you. Uh, one uh, One of my, it's not a big fear for me. It's a big realization for me that I mess me up. I mess me up. And even if somebody else gets me into a mess, I, when, when I do my praying, I say, Lord, that's my fault. I, I am the one who has to agree to go along with junk. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'm the one that gets me involved. If you help me, uh, then that's on you. I hope you get right about that. But I agreed to go along with your foolishness, and I got me in trouble. And the, the will of God is a safe place. He has a better plan for me. It's safer. It may, of course, if, if you ask Paul the Apostle, it might get you in trouble. But what kind of trouble would Paul have gotten into had he not f- found the will of God? Paul had the kind of attitude he would ride around trying to correct other people. Of course, when I say ride around... I don't mean in a, you know, 68 Chevette. <laughs> he, would, he would move around the country getting in other people's business. Amen? That's a dangerous life. If, well, what did he do after he got saved, after he met the Lord, after he got converted? He did the same thing. Well, if he got into the mess that he got into, and I'll say this, I mean... Uh, it's not far-fetched because and and I I don't like to get into psychology or anything like that uh, but personality matters and your personality is going to get you into some kind of trouble as a lost man well when you got saved your personality is not going to change I mean you are who you are and Paul was who he was God chose the right man for the right job he was dedicated he was steadfast he was a little bit hard-headed uh, Paul learned his lessons hard. I know there's none of us that's like that that learns our lessons hard. We come by we come, we may have some wisdom, but we came by it hard with with lumps. How do you like your wisdom with one lump or two? <laughs> and we get them, don't we? We get our lumps. We surely do. But Paul came by his heart, and that was his that was his person before he got saved. That was his person after. God would send men by the Holy Spirit and say, you're going to get in trouble if you do it this way. He'd just go ahead and do it anyway. He said, you can't move me with your tears. <laughs> Any hard heads like that here besides Paul? Absolutely. Every single one of you. But you've got your own person. You've got your own personality. You've got your own hang-ups, your likes and your dislikes, and you've got those things. And don't think for a minute that that's not going to be who you are after you're saved. Some of you doubt your salvation on a regular basis because you have the same personality that you did before you got saved. 
You have the same tendencies. You have the same temptations. Well, the difference is now there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. God, the Bible says, is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. You didn't have that before you were saved. So you run headlong into your own will and make a mess. Now as a Christian, you can still run headlong into your own will and make a mess. But there's another option now. An option you didn't have before you got saved. And that's the will of God. I can now do the will of God. And God will protect me in it and have mercy on me in it. And watch over me in it. And he's already planned everything out for me in it. I just have to do what God's will for my life is on a daily basis. I have to die to myself daily. I have to crucify the flesh afresh daily and ask God to help me and lead me and guide me. And I get into that leadership and I get into that guidance by praying, by reading my Bible. And not not just praying and reading my Bible. Praying and reading your Bible is a waste of time. I'll just let that sink in. Praying, the pastor at church said... Praying and reading your Bible. Listen, prayer and reading your Bible is a waste of time if you're not seeking God's face in it. God, thank you for this faith in Jesus' name. Amen. That is not a prayer. That is not, that is a habit. That's something you're mimicking. You can tell a dog speaking, he'll go, that's training. That is training. That is training. Train up a child in the way he should go. Yes, a child needs training. You need training. But what you need that reinforces that training is a good mindset on reality. When you pray, seek God's face. When you read your Bible, seek something from God. God, what is your will for me? Uh, At some point in my Christian life, I stopped reading my Bible to try to prove things that I already believed. Stop it. Stop it. I stopped reading my Bible to try to prove that Dr. Ruckman was right about this or that. Stop that. Stop it. You've got to stop that. Listen, if you want God's will to have full reign in your life, you have, stopped, you have got to stop living to prop up something else or somebody else. You have got to start seeking God's face and God's will and God's pleasure for you, for your own life. And of course, that it's, it's not going to be different for anybody else, but stop reading your Bible to defend somebody else's position about something they believe or thought. God, speak to me today. Because God can speak to any of us little insignificant people, little men, little women. God can speak to you and help you and direct you and lead you and protect you as good as he could for Moses, as good as he could for Dr. Ruckman, as good as he could for Dr. Lackey, as good as he could for Lester Roloff. God is interested in dealing with you. He's interested in dealing with you. And God doesn't uh, use the form and the fashion of the Old Testament where he gets a man named Elijah and tells him to come down to your house and give you a message. God gave you his word. It was purchased at a great price. It was produced at a great price. And now it sits in your lap waiting for you to read it and seek God's face. And God, what is 
your will for me? What is your plan for me? And of course, out of his will and plan comes his peace for you. That is the next passage of Scripture. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. To the saints and faithful brethren. Faithful, faithful just means to continue in his will. That's what being faithful is. Well, I'm faithful to God because I've been in church every Sunday for the last 30 years. Are you saved? Good question, isn't it? That is the question that some people... I mean, we go through this cycle every 100 years or so. Uh, you know, George Whitfield and the Wesley brothers, and they you know, had their little holy society. And after they went by fasting and after they went through a, a great deal of religious discipline and training they found out they weren't saved hey we need to be regenerated well that question needs to be asked to many people who've gone to church year after year after year you can talk about the will of God for what you can talk about the will of God for your life and what God wants you to do with your life but the first question is are you even born again Nicodemus comes to Jesus we know you're come from God Jesus said you need to get born again you need to be regenerated. You need to be redeemed. You need to be forgiven. It's been said by many people. This is not something that I came up with, but it's a very good statement. It's easier to be a Christian after you're saved. It surely is. It truly is. And it's easier to be a Christian after you're saved. It's easier to be a Christian if you're, uh, if you're following God according to his own will. Now, there's a lot of interesting uh, things you could talk about in God's will. And I told you about reading your Bible and praying. I told you we weren't going to spend too much time on that stuff. But God does have a will for you. And we even touched on this a little bit last week in, in the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, he says... I'll start reading in about verse 4. Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace. We have received grace and apostleship. You've received the grace of God and you've received a calling. And verse number 7. To all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints. Saints. saints uh, a saint is someone who in the first place is God's child, God's people, God's person, you're God's person. <laughs> you belong to God. And that the, the idea of sainthood is somebody who lives according to the will of God. They are letting their light shine. I don't know if there's a simpler way of putting it that, but you know, uh, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. You know the song, you've been to Sunday school. Well, you're, you found God's will. You're performing that duty to the best of your ability. In that sense, you're a saint. And of course, there is a great advantage to being a Christian because we're all saints. But at the same time, we're called to be saints. We're called to be saints. And so that is a vocation. That's a vocation. So I wonder what God's going to call me to do. Be a missionary. Be a pastor. How about be a saint? Just be a saint. And I can tell you this without any hesitation whatsoever. Young man, what, young woman, whatever the case may be. If you'll get busy being a saint today, you're not going to miss what specific calling that God has for you. You get busy today and you be the young man that you ought to be. Eventually, if you're supposed to be a good pastor, you'll be the good pastor that you're supposed to be. God is not 
unable to make you hit all the way marks of your life. If God is directing your life, you're going to get where you're supposed to be. If you're directing your life, whether that be going to the bars on Saturday night, or whether that be forcing your way into a gospel ministry, you're going to mess it up. But you strive to be a saint. Today, I'm just going to try to be one of God's saints. And then tomorrow you'll hit the right mark. And the day after that you'll hit the right mark. And you'll get to the place. I'm not a Calvinist, but I certainly do believe in God's providence. I believe God is a great leader of men. I believe the, the blessing, as I said a few moments ago, the blessing of being in God's will is you're in the best plan. You're in the best direction. You're heading in the right direction. You're you're in the best vocation that there is. You're in the safest place you can be even if you're in a dangerous situation. Safety is of the Lord. And you're in his will. I wish you'd read the I wish you would read the book of Proverbs sometime and don't read it for any other reason. I mean, give it a special study one time through and just find out how to stay alive. It's in the book of Proverbs. Just how to be safe and stay alive. And trust me, if God wants you dead, you're not going to work that out for yourself. You're you're just not going to do it. If he wants you dead, he's going to take you home. That's right and true, isn't it? Yes, sir. I mean, so if you want to live and you want life more abundantly, just live your life today being a saint. Do what is right. And there is life in doing what's right. And once you find God's will and once you find God's road for your life, you'll get down to being a missionary or you'll get down to being a pastor. Or you'll get, and you'll, when you get there, you'll be doing it right. Because yesterday was done right. The day before that was done right. And I'm talking about doctrinally. I'm talking about morally. I'm talking about every aspect of your Christian life. Because you do it one step at a time. You, do it right. you don't start up a flight of stairs on stair number seven. You start off on stair number one. And if you skip steps up the way, all you get is tired. Run up a flight of stairs that, I don't mean the stairs to your front porch, which is two steps. I mean, find you a stair, go down to the bleachers at Dover Downs Raceway and run up those suckers and and skip every other step. And by the time you get halfway up, I'm just so wore out. Well, you're wore out in in your search for God's will because you're skipping steps. You're skipping steps. Uh, My pastor, uh, when I was growing up, was Carl Lackey. He said he got saved and within a couple of weeks he was preaching. And that's skipping steps. That is skipping steps, my brethren. That is skipping steps. Two weeks after you got saved, you got no business preaching to a congregation about anything except for, hey, I just wanted to get up today and say, God saved me and I'm feeling so great about it. That's good preaching. That's good preaching in and of itself. Not because you went home and digested three Dr. Ruckman commentaries in three days. Now you think you're going to preach to the rest of the world and yell at them like, no, 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 no. You say, well, what of it? Well, I think my pastor could have been ten times the man he was if he had a, one step at a time. By the, by the end of his ministry, he was, he was mean. And I don't mean just author, authoritative. I don't just mean that he was authoritative. I mean he was bitter and he was mean and his mind didn't work correctly. I believe with all my heart that come by skipping steps. 
I've seen it in my own life. What is the meaning of it? I've skipped steps. Well, if you can do it, Brother Mike, why can't we? It's a warning. It's not a rebuke. It's a warning. Don't skip steps. Don't skip steps. You don't have to make the same mistakes. That's one thing about being in the will of God. You can look at all these Bible characters. You can look around and see all your brethren. When they skip steps, they get wore out. They get tired. They get weak. And of course, weakness can be a strength, but that weakness that is a strength is that weakness that's submitted to His will. I wish you could understand that. Well, Romans chapter 12, and I have to close here. I really don't even have time for this, but I'll read you this verse and we'll talk about this in the beginning of next week's class. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I believe God has a will for our lives, don't you? I believe God has a will. I'll say this, and you can ruminate on it all you want before next week. I do not believe God has a will, a directive will, and a permissive will. I don't believe that. This is something I don't want you to do, but you have permission to do it. Run your house like that. I don't believe that. I believe God has a will. A will. A will. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present... Now, God has grace. I have to throw that in there. If you miss, if you miss the mark in God's will for your life today, God is merciful. Amen? Amen. God truly is merciful. And God is long-suffering even to save people. We, we tend to put long-suffering on lost people. God's long-suffering to the lost. God's long-suffering to us, too, because we're bumbleheads, <laughs> if that's a word. I don't know if that's a word or not, but I just used it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's holy and acceptable. You see that? Your reasonable service is holy and acceptable presentation of your body holy and acceptable and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God good and acceptable and perfect will of God we'll talk about that next week and move on as far as we can into Colossians chapter 1 next week it's a sad thing to spend a whole hour and only get one verse through but that's all right. we've got plenty of time if the Lord don't come back amen Lord we thank you for your goodness this morning we thank you for your grace thank you for the good attentive spirit that we have here this morning I pray you'd help us now as we move into the morning service bless the preacher God give him power give him strength God I pray again uh, this morning Lord that you'd drive out every uh, distraction every hindrance every evil spirit and I pray oh God that you would abide with us here this morning with your Holy Spirit God move on our hearts lead us guide us inspire us move us oh God and I pray that you'd help us to be the saints that we ought to be help us God to be saints uh, children of the most high and I thank you dear God for all that you do for us in Jesus Christ's name we pray it amen amen all right take a little break